Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Bliss Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome, everybody, to the uh, Christmas edition of the Gridiron Blitz, episode 404, in the house with the Hall of Famer, Holly Custis, breaking down college football today. We've got two hours jam-packed for you. We're also going to have the special guest, Brianna Griggs, of the WNFC Las Vegas Silver Stars, one of the participants of this weekend's uh, Dream Big Showcase uh, charity event. Talk to her about that. We're also going to break down everything that's happening at the Hub, a lot of news at the Hub currently right now in terms of what's happening in the sport. And we're also going to do college football as well. And then Mark Simone will be here in about an hour. We'll break down uh, the break, breakdown of Gridiron West in terms of the before the you know New Year comes up here for the remaining six weeks of the season and where everybody stands in terms of the teams. Uh, we're also going to dive into the Mexico uh, Women's National Selection Tournament for the IFAB World Championships 2022, which happened this last weekend. Thank you to Yarda20. Appreciate to Tercet Cuarto, also Blitz Football Video, ABC Football, all the network partners that we have right there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. Just an awesome weekend of women's tackle football in Mexico. So we got it all covered wall-to-wall right there at the hub at the best network on the planet, and that is us, at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauty. So, all right, let's bring in the Hall of Famer here and break it down here. Um, Holly, how's it going? Happy Christmas and uh, New Year coming up here soon. Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Uh, all your shopping done, all that good stuff taken care of? Yes. Um you know, with COVID the last couple of years, I, I've actually started my uh, Christmas shopping earlier and earlier each year, <laughs> especially with the, uh, you know, the shipping and logistical issues. So, yes, I actually said it uh, a while ago. Awesome. Yeah, I don't have much of, except for, what, uh, three nieces, one nephew, and they're all pretty much older now. So just a matter of a couple gift cards and sent them out. And so we couldn't get together this year, but, uh, you know, I'm just happy that they're well and everything's good and their mom and dad are good and my mom and dad are good and the wife's good. Every, you know, it's all good. But uh, as long as everybody's healthy, we're good. Yeah. The, you know, COVID definitely gives you a different perspective on that. I mean, these are the um, items that were, you know, important before, but I definitely think when you go through something like this, you know, as a pretty much as an entire planet, it definitely puts those things in perspective. Yeah, I got to, you know, you got to break down priorities, and one of those is obviously breathing in a lot of instances, and hopefully yeah. it's not with the ventilator, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's been a yeah. it's been a whirl in two years now, and we're not out of it yet if, from what I hear, so you just got to stay positive, right? Just have positivity right. in everything we do right now. Um, all right, Holly, uh, bombshell news. I was going to talk Urban Meyer, but then I'm like, who cares about Urban Meyer at this point? <laughs> unless you're a Jaguars <laughs> fan, nobody's going to care. So let's talk about Santia Deck here. Uh, WFLA, a big-time marketer, hype. You know, WFLA was supposed to kick off two years ago. Uh, there's obviously concerns with the WFLA leadership. 
with the ownership, some things with the SEC. We talked about them before in, in the past podcast. Um, Centio officially uh, basically broke ties with them uh, in terms of IG, officially. Um, she's oh. obviously on a trend as an entrepreneur. She's got um, influencer in a, lot of, in a lot of avenues, including uh, Tronus uh, Footwear that she launched uh, about a year ago, which is doing really well. Right. And so um, for the WNFC, Holly, this is a great pickup. If she's coming to Atlanta, uh, it kind of bumps the Phoenix to a little bit of better visibility in terms of the Atlantic Conference. Yeah, it's a very interesting story because uh, you have uh, a few different angles to look at. You know, you have the angle of, um, you know, this is somebody who has built up. She's basically a good example of what today's athlete, you know, can look like as far as um, her social media presence. She does a really good job at marketing, um, and uh, she has good people around her to help her with the marketing. So I think, you know, this is kind of the new age of being an athlete. And because she's built up her brand in a, in a certain aspect, um, it was interesting when she was signing on initially with the uh, WSLA, um, you know, and I think the fact that she, you know, had this big, you know, signing party and she was supposed to be the first, a female to earn, uh, you know, a million dollars and all this stuff happened. And, you know, all of this, I remember at the time we're thinking, you know, that that's great, but we want to see if it actually happens. And lo and behold, it didn't happen. And so, you know, we can, you know, look at the, the angle from that vantage point of what went wrong there. And it's definitely, um, a, I think, a poor sign for the WFLA uh, considering the fact that they've had so many struggles, this you know, somebody I think was a good marketing piece for them. And now that that's to hurt them a bit, um, now that she's coming over to the WNFC, it's going to be a really big boost for the Atlanta team as far as you know, like you said, like marketing. Uh, if she already has a following of people, which she does, then that's really more exposure for their team and also the league and also the sport. Um, you know, from a football vantage point, this is somebody that, you know, she ran track, did uh, quite well from what I understand in that. Uh, but I want to see her on the field. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm interested to see her actually put on pads and uh, take the speed that she has and put it on the field. So there's, there's, there's a, quite a few ways to look at this, Oscar, but it's really interesting. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, she did play in the LFL. Before that, and, and, um, she played in the LFL for a couple snaps, and then uh, I believe she got injured. Uh, then she went into ru- – she's played rugby on contact sports. Uh, I think the last, what, 18 months, we would just have to say she was, she's been more of an influencer slash marketer, and that was literally what the WFLA right. was looking for to get their brand out there. Right. Unfortunately, things have shifted. Um, she's obviously shifted, right, because she started her own brand in terms of footwear and, sh- and shoe wear. Um, so, you know, right. the, the, the delay of the WFLA to get kicked off, right, with the promise to pay, I think made her at some point down the road say, this is no longer a good business decision, right? Because that's literally where she's at. Right. She's an, an entrepreneur, and it didn't benefit her in any way. Um, so I think if you put that aside, 
does benefit the WNFC in a lot of ways, especially Atlanta in a lot of ways, because Atlanta's huge. And if you can get some fanfare, I mean, uh, the amount of followers she's got, even if you've got 1,000 to 2,000 people to come just see her or even close to that, I mean, the the Phoenix is going to be an an amazing franchise just for the brand itself. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because Phoenix – the, the Phoenix uh, team already has a lot of good athletes. And so I'm, the the football part for me is I, I'm kind of – I know that she kind of played with a, uh, LFL and stuff like that, but it is a little different from that style to full tackle. There is – I know sure. that people have played both ways, and uh, but there is kind of a, a difference in style. So I just want to see what that looks like, what positions she might play, uh, and what, you know, the, the tangible aspect of, of what that looks like on the field and how they use her and how they use her skill set, that sort of thing. Um, I definitely think like what you said is, is going to be really good for, for that team and, and that market. Uh, and, you know, the WFLA really seemed to me like um, kind of a marketing scheme. It, it, was, it was not about the football at all. Um, it was really kind of, you know, I, I've called it many things, but the most affable that I could find was, you know, the fire festival of women's football. It just, it, you know, it didn't happen. And, um, unless something crazy happens in the near future, it doesn't sound like it will happen. And so it's going to be, you know, I've heard of other players besides, uh, you know, uh, uh, deck moving on from this lead to filtering into the WNFC, also the WFA. Um, and you, cause at some point you can market, 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 but if you have no product on the field, what are you marketing? Right. So, um, so I'm glad that, that she's coming over to the uh, WNFC because now she can, she can actually play. And I, I, I don't, um, you know, know her personally. I've talked to her a couple of times, but I feel like if you're you're pushing your your brand, you're pushing your brand. You probably are pretty antsy to to actually play. So uh, hopefully that works out well. And I know she's you know she's a big influencer, so that's the key. And if you're talking branding and getting the name out and getting the word out, I mean the amount of followers she's got, just her mentioning the WNFC is going to bring a lot of people interested to the website get an idea of what the franchises are at, you know, just, just the interest, in other words, is going to be huge for the WNFC right. coming up to this new season. So the other bombshell news was the Aussie group that was supposed to come over to the WFLA in Vegas and Denver and all those places, the Aussie group has now committed uh, via the Mississippi Panthers. They had an initiative, a global uh, initiative, obviously, to bring in and, you know, foreign players or, and, and bring them into the fold, their program. So they brought in uh, four of some popular Aussie players from New South Wales and also we, uh, from Queensland. Uh, Denver also is going to have those. So we have that information right there at the hub. Um, a lot of those players that they're bringing in are very standout players in their own right in terms of the uh, New South Wales scene in terms of full kit. So, it, it, you know, I don't know about you, uh, Holly, but I'm getting excited and giddy here. WNFC is really, a, you know, it, it, when we come to this next 2022 season, international influx of players coming in now. We saw the first year when uh, Lizette 
the, the first uh, the first player to score a touchdown was a Mexican player, which was Lizette, Lizbeth, and she did a great job. So now it's an opportunity where we're going to blend in some of the international players within the existing group in the U.S. base. So uh, it's going to be interesting, especially in the Atlantic, with the, these these players impacting the Mississippi Panthers. Yeah, you know, uh, it kind of uh, ties into, uh, you know, uh, Santana Deck as well, because what's happening is you have these players that were trying to commit to, to this league that didn't happen. And obviously they want to play. So they're they're going to eventually start figuring out, okay, this isn't going to happen. Where do I go? You know, sort of thing. And so I think it's really great for the league and, and the, the sport as a whole to have international players come over. You know, I've said that uh, in previous years, and I think it's only going to continue. And it's really good for the growth of the game uh, because the players that come over, they don't uh, only provide their athleticism and their skill, but when they go back to uh, their home country, they bring back some of that experience and can help other people uh, in their own country, uh, you know, especially some of these uh, countries that are just starting out. And when it's football, that experience that they're gain- gaining is really um, beneficial. And I think, uh, you know, it's really, you know, commendable for teams that are doing this like Mississippi because it's, it's not easy. You have to get, you know, all the different visas in order and you have to provide, you know, you have to figure out where, where we're going to put them and all that, that. The logistical part is not easy. So, um, you know, you have to commend the teams that are doing that. I think it's um, a really smart move, uh, and I hope that uh, everyone continues to do it. Well, and if you look at the bigger scope, Holly, uh, the WNFC Vire Network, uh, every game streamed last year with their media platform that they had, they're obviously going to continue to do that with their media platform. So it looks to me like, you know, the, the international audience is going to grow because of the, the players coming into to play this season. I think that's also going to help the, the brand. So overall, a lot of positives even be, before the 2022 season launches in the WNFC. Oh, yeah. And then if you look at, you know, the history of, uh, for example, like the, um, the NBA uh, did this extremely well, uh, you know, in the 92 Olympics when you had the dream team, uh, the men's basketball team that just basically destroyed everybody. Um, the NBA put in a lot of international um, initiatives uh, to grow the sport internationally. And then, you know, uh, that over the years, that's paid dividends not only in players coming over into the NBA to play, but also in the development of the sport in other countries. So now the Olympics are way more competitive than they've ever been. And the, the sport as a whole has grown. And so the NFL has done that a little bit too. And then recently the NFL, I saw an article that they announced basically uh, where they divided up different countries and uh, anointed different NFL teams to kind of be, um, I guess, a branding ambassador of certain countries you know, like um, I think the Seahawks have a connection to Canada, which makes sense. It's right there. And so basically in Canada, the Seahawks can go and promote Seahawks games and items and stuff in Canada. And so, and then there's connections to China and Russia and like all these different countries. And so these leagues, you know, on the men's side, the professional leagues that have done really well, this is what they're doing too. They're making the international connection. Because it's a win-win-win for everybody. 
you develop talent, you bring it over here. And if you think about it logically, right, on the entire planet, there are billions of people, and that's a lot of people to pull from in a talent pool. So if you're only pulling people in a little teeny little section of that pool, how productive is your short really going to be? When you expand that pool and pull in more talent and develop it, it's only going to make the product better. Um, so I think we're probably going to see a lot of this in the future. All right. What a positive, what, uh, you know, breaking uh, information. We'll dive into the more details in terms of the Aussie players coming into the WNFC for the Mississippi Panthers, also uh, for the Denver Bandits. But uh, great, great uh, effort uh, and news for the WNFC as we get anticipate the 2022 season here uh, as we get launched and kicked off. And so Vira Network's one of the premier uh, platforms that they're using. So this is going to be really awesome enhancing uh, overseas. Some of the family members and friends of these players are going to be watching them obviously uh, streamed out and everything else. Um, let's go into the monkey knife huddle right now, and we're going to talk to the talented uh, Brianna Griggs of the Las Vegas Silver Stars. Is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Knife Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50. All right, guys, go to Monkey Knife Fight. Use the code NJF. Get started today, especially for NFL, NBA. $5 free play on us. Check it out, monkeyknifefight.com forward slash NJF as your code. All right, uh, Brianna, happy Christmas, happy New Year. Thanks for making the time today. Really appreciate it. And uh, what a weekend over in the Northwest uh, at the Dream Big event, so at the charity event. So can you tell us a little bit of your experience there? Yeah, man, what's going on? Um, happy to be on the show. Um, so the, the you can hear me, right? Hello? What was that? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Um so the Holiday Bowl um, was amazing. Um, it's ran by Ian, um, he's a great guy. Uh, he does this every year. It's a charity event, and um, it used to be just the men. But um, I had met him, you know, probably three years ago, and um, that's when he found about uh, found out about women's football. So um, he kind of made the decision to do a men and women's charity event which is awesome i mean it's the last two years have just been incredible um meeting new players and uh also uh doing something for a great cause brianna uh the the photos that we got uh from some of the photographers that were there at the event really uh you know kind mm-hmm. of an all-star feel to it but at the same time like you said there it's obviously a benefit for a greater cause not just an all-star game like we normally do but uh you've been part of it for the last what two years now yeah, yeah, two years. How has it been for you in terms of just like the on-field play and the excitement to kind of mingle with all these uh, different players? Uh, I believe almost all the players are from strictly from the Northwest, right? Pioneers, uh, the Shockwave, the uh, Spartans. So it's a mixture of uh, WFA and WNFC, right? Yeah, so um, the first year was just uh, strictly WFA, Um 
but the second year, yes, WNFC has been included uh, just because the event is, is growing. Um, the the players that get selected, um, yes, it's marketed as an all-star game, but um, a lot of the time um, players are recruited um, and then it's based on availability. Uh, but I hope in the future that it does become uh, more of a all-pro type event and uh, that that should uh, draw in a bigger crowd and uh, uh, create more profit for the charity. Awesome. Uh, Brianna, what a great year for you and your Silver Stars. We talked to Dion Lee and Carrie Walters uh, a couple podcasts ago uh, before the season uh, ended. Um, you guys right there in the mix of things with the Rebellion, also in the mix with the Falcons. Um, tell us a little bit about your uh, – 2021 season how it started uh, midway through the season and obviously you get to that playoff stage where now it's an opportunity for the nine cup yeah this uh 2021 was an amazing season uh it was my first year into wnfc um or i I should say second because i was with the oregon ravens but obviously covid happened so i didn't get to experience that but as far as a, a legitimate first year playing the games, um, it was incredible. I mean, uh, knowing that the Silver Stars were an 0-6 team uh, in 2019, the, the inaugural season, um, and then going into playoffs um, with this group of women that are, like, just as uh, determined to get to the, the ending, ending goal as me, it was just it, – it was nothing I've, I've experienced before um, – Maybe like my my rookie year when I played for Portland Shockwave, they were a very well established, uh, successful team. Um, but as far as the Las Vegas Silver Stars goes, yeah, it was um, it was a great season. Um, learning learning from after every game, um, and uh, figuring out what we can do better and it uh, being successful, it, it was a cool thing to see and uh, experience. Brianna, uh, Coach Dion Lee brings a lot of experience in terms of tackle football for women. Uh, Carrie's played the game for so long as well, so there's a little bit of a leadership there uh, in terms of the level, top level. So was that beneficial for you to have a, a kind of a veteran coach understanding longevity of the sport and kind of can relate to some of the things that you would have to go through? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he uh, he, he was a good coach. Um, he very knowledgeable. Uh, Carrie ran the team very well. Um, as far as my career goes, when when it comes to coaching, I've been coached by uh, top level. Um, so it, it was still good to to be able to uh, be a part of a team that that does have good good coaching um, to, to where I can still learn something um, and. Their leadership on the field definitely helped um, a lot of the players out on Silver Stars because about, I'd say, 80% of them were rookies. So it was good for uh, for them to have uh, a good coaching staff like that. Brianna, what would you say was your biggest impact on this team to help it get through that stage where you almost get to the playoff stage and, uh, you know, a couple, a couple games closer to the goal of to the final? Uh, it, it was just everybody's will to do what it takes to win. Um, everybody was in it 100%. Practices uh, were 100%. Um, everybody, you know, studied uh, uh, pregame. Um, 
every I would just say everybody was in it. Um, and I think we understood that as a team, which made us uh, which made us stronger. All right, let me bring in the Hall of Famer to pick your brains here because she was part of that almost to the nine cup mentality with these Falcons, and you're no stranger to the Falcons, and probably no stranger to the mm-hmm. to Holly Custis here. What's up, Holly? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Yeah, good. me and Holly go back. Uh, it was it been like seven years now since uh, Shockwave and Majestics. Yeah, oh yeah, we go way back. Uh, let's see. So essentially, I have a few questions for you. Um, you know, Oscar went over it last season um, and your your season uh, with the Silver Stars. What was your favorite moment from last season? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to get you on this one. Uh, favorite moment is scoring a touchdown on you guys. <laughs> oh, okay, Oscar. I got I to gotta speak up on this one. See, what, what, what happened was, is you know that what happened? This, you missed your assignment. Is that what happened? <laughs> no, she she uh, she had a really good move, and it was right after I had a really bad cramp in my calf, and so sure. I think okay, I well. almost got you, and then I threw my whole body at it, and my calf was just like, "No, what are you doing?" And then I was so upset with myself because it was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was a really so, good play." So like we, um, my calf is still mad at you, but it's okay. <laughs> um, let's see and then uh, you know also you know what is the most you know speaking of humor what was the most funny moment of your career so far oh uh, yeah first one that comes to mind uh, one of my best friends Animal uh, Rachel McKenna she, she her rookie uh, we were both rookies um and she put on her shoulder pads and then her jersey on backwards. So she walks out, <laughs> and her her nameplate's on her chest. Oh man, yeah, that that's got to be that's got to be the top one. I guess the question is, did she do that on purpose or not? I hope she didn't. I really hope she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta ask her now. Yeah, because that is something that she might do. I think so. Um, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> um, for the people that don't know, how did you find football? Oh man, uh, women's football or just football in general? Oh, both. Let's do both. Uh, so football and general football has just been in my life forever. Uh, my my whole family plays football. My my dad was. Uh, free agent in the NFL. He played for the Seahawks. Uh, my cousin David Griggs. He played for the Chargers. I mean, football has just been been in my life. But as far as women's football goes, my dad actually um, coached the Portland Phillies back in the day. Um, and then you know, he told I was on that team, right? Were you? <laughs> <laughs> Were you? <laughs> yep. Yeah, your dad. Oh, wow. You here's 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 here okay, here's the thing real quick. So before before I interrupt you real quick. Uh your dad came on to coach and he had brought a, a playbook and I think that was the year that we went through a lot of injuries and it was a weird year. But all I remember your dad ever saying like the big thing was be an athlete, be an athlete, be an athlete. 
It was so good that we put it on our playbook. So, yes, I do know your dad. <laughs> that is his motto. It's uh, be an athlete and gosh darn it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I just had to jump in. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's great. Yeah, I mean, that's how I found, I found out. Um, he said he was coaching. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, you know, cool. I never really thought about playing football. And I was like, yeah, okay. And then he, um, the season had ended, and then he had mentioned it again, and he said, you know, why don't why don't you play? And I'm like, that's a good question. I don't I don't know. Like maybe I should try it out. And so uh, I believe I reached out to Portland Shockwave, and then my and then they had a, a head coach position opening. So we both kind of reached out at the same time, and then you know, that's that's how it started. Well, there you go. That's really cool. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, what is your pregame routine? Because I know every player has one. Oh, man. Yeah. It's uh, So I wake up. Usually don't get very good. I, uh, I immediately go uh, to my TV and PlayStation, and I pop in Madden. And I play a couple, a couple uh, games of Madden with the Seahawks. I know, terrible. And then uh, <laughs> I usually make a, a protein smoothie or, or just some, like, uh, egg whites. And then um, from there I go back to my TV, and then I do uh, I either YouTube or uh, um, watch previous games. But sometimes I'll YouTube just, like, uh, routes, like one-on-one drills and kind of watch, watch what they're doing, their footwork, and get the mindset. And then from there uh, I go over – plays on my wrist coach or whatever it is and then uh get dressed and get ready for the day awesome it's really interesting because some some people like um to have a lot of structure some people don't like structure so it's always really interesting to see what people like to do um for this coming season what are your personal goals for the season so personal goals would be um I'd say uh, personal goals would be committing to a team. Uh, at the moment, I am a free agent, and um, mainly the re- the reason is uh, just financial stuff. Uh, I just got uh, I, I'm in a new career now, real estate, and uh, it's a lot of time um, and energy that goes into it. Um, and I know Saturdays, you know, are, are game days and our practice days and all that stuff. So it's just kind of hard to to balance but um if i do decide to play um i have gone to uh utah falcons camp twice now uh there's a third one in january which i most likely will attend um but again like my, my books are kind of open just with this new job situation yeah that totally uh, totally makes do. sense i mean yeah yeah yeah, it, with uh, with the sport, you know, it's really hard because um, we're heading the right direction, but we're still not to the point where, you know, we can really make a full career out of it yet. So we all have day jobs, and it's really difficult sometimes, uh, a lot of the time, to balance that, to balance the time and the financial aspect. And when I look back, and I, I don't know how I paid for football when I was, like, 23. I, I don't I don't know how I did that. But, you know, it's one of those things that we all kind of just do the best we can. And, you know, if you end up playing, 
Um, I think it's going to be, you know, awesome to, to finally actually be on the same side as you. Um, and if you don't end up playing, I know you're eventually going to end up playing because I think you're one of those people that football is just ingrained in you. And uh, so no matter, no matter what, you're going to be fine. Um, but the last question I have for you is, what do you think the future of women's football looks like? Oh, I see it. I see it getting to uh, WNBA level for sure within, I'd say within the next, I'm hoping six years, um, just with like the, the college flag now, um, I, I just feel like it, it's growing at a pace where we're not going to expect it. Definitely. That's awesome. Well, that, that's all yeah. I, I had for you, so I'll pass it back to Oscar. But hopefully I'll be seeing you soon, and good luck in your uh, new career in real estate. Thank you. I appreciate you. Brana. I mean, that sounds exciting. Uh, I know we all have to make choices for livelihood, and unfortunately we're not there yet to the you know WNBA level of even the salary of mm-hmm. the scale of the WNBA, which would be actually somewhat okay still. But, uh, you know, it's, it's okay. great that you're adventuring out to a different, you know, su- sustainability is basically the key, and the, obviously the sport doesn't afford that yet. But uh, to Holly's point, the Falcons not a bad choice. Um, you know, you, you got off the Silver Stars, pretty competitive team as well. You know what the Coach Rasmussen and, and they have going off in Atlanta, I mean, um, in Utah, pretty successful, you know, uh, organization for so long in terms of winning and winning consistently. So there's a great program there in, in itself. Um, Brianna, what, what is the, what do you think of like this visibility with the branding of the WNFC? Uh, you know, we got international players this week that got announced. Um, I mean, you're in that mode right now where, where you're going to play or not going to play, but overall, I think this is such a great positives, right? From the two years so far. And we're looking at 2022 as a, such a, an excitement, and you got all these overseas players really wanting to come into the States to kind of enhance his brand. So player in this league last year, every game was streamed. So I really, it, it's kind of, it, you know, never happened before in our sport, but this is a, this is a big deal now. Like we're, we're into that, you know, age of social media where things are accessible quickly. Yeah, 2021 20, seems big already but 2022 i already know it's just um it's it's gonna blow up um like you said uh the queen of abs uh signed on with atlanta phoenix um and then uh the the viri um app um for all the the games and live streams and stuff that i mean that in itself was nothing that women's football has ever seen before um it just seems like like WNFC is is just booming and it's it's going to keep going. Now you're uh, probably not going to sit you know foot on the field, which is highly unlikely. I think that's going to be the case. It's kind of too early at this point. Tell us a little bit about your background with this new endeavor with your real estate and you know a lot of players come from different types of uh, industries, right? And they make the time, they judge, they uh, they basically you know have to make a calendar, a schedule, and everything else. So. Uh, it's a lot of pressure. So do you feel like at this point, you know, the real estate route, maybe a year off and then have to come back? Or do you feel like, okay, I'm going to try to make it kind of happen at this point? Yeah, so I'm I'm really goal-orientated. Um, 
I'm setting myself a goal, um, a basically a, a time limit on um, mm-hmm. what I need to do. Um, and I, you know, I, if I don't make, if I don't uh, get the goal that, I, that I'm aiming for, you know, then I'll have to really evaluate football um, as far as time goes. Um, but for now, I do think I can manage both. And, um, you know, if I do, obviously, I'm going to um, sign on to a team and, and play this year. Um, I really don't want to miss this upcoming year just because I feel like um, there's a lot that's going to be happening um, and a uh, season that's really going to kind of put us on the map um, as far as marketing goes. All right. Um, you were at the All-Fantasy game, uh, the All-Star game over in Dallas. You saw the girls with the, with the flag. Uh, infusion there uh, pretty big weekend in Dallas in a lot of ways so do you feel like uh, we're, we're on the right track in terms of like the entertainment side of things because it was sort of a nice entertainment feel from what I was told from everybody that you came into the week the nine cup weekend and everything was kind of blown up a little bit but you had all these amenities everywhere that you can dive into yeah, that was uh, one of the best weekends I've had uh, in football probably ever. I mean, it was everything. It, it, it was everything I could have asked for. Uh, being invited to something like that, or even as uh, just a fan or a family member, or somebody going. Um, it was in a good city, um, and they, as far as the event goes, yeah, they had something going on um, almost every hour. It seemed like um, so. It was really that was really. Um, cool experience. All right, so Brianna, uh, up in the air as we speak today, whether you're going to be on a, a on a WNFC squad or not. But uh, I, I wanted to kind of bring you on because I think you're one of one of the few impactful players on the West Side. Uh, it's obviously selected to the All Star uh, game. So uh, you know, congratulations to your season uh, last year. I know the Silver Stars would have loved to go further, but it just wasn't meant to be. But what a great team, you and the, and the squad there, almost to the end there. Uh, so great season for the Silver Stars overall. Yeah, it it was a, a truly uh, a great, great season last year. Um, as far as this year, I have no doubt of them uh, going as far as we did and farther. Um, from what I know, their roster is the most full I've ever seen in a women's football team. Um, they are practicing two, three times a week since uh, September. I mean, they, they're they in it to win it this year, which is awesome. So um, good luck to them, even though I won't be a part. Uh, but, yeah, I, I have no no doubt that they'll, they'll be able to. Brianna, thank you for making the time today. Really appreciate it. Have a great Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, continued success in your new endeavor here with the real estate. Hopefully it pans out really well for you financially and able to kind of afford yourself to get back on to uh, a WNFC squad or a WFA squad, depending on where you're at in the region. Uh, but I really, really appreciate you making the time. Yeah, thank you so much for the invite. Um, I enjoyed talking to you and Holly. And um, if you ever need a, another podcaster again, uh, let me know. Perfect. We'll more than happy to do it. Uh, looking forward to that. And have a great new year. Enjoy your Christmas and safe travels, okay? You too. Happy New Year. All right, Holly, there you go. Um, 
Briggs right there, uh, you've seen her live and in, and in person. So pretty impactful player. Uh, you know, things are obviously going to change for her this upcoming year, but uh, she might get the bug last minute, and you might see her on the Falcons, as she's claiming here. Yeah, you, you know, like we were talking about before, um, that's a challenge that pretty much all of us have, you know, is that, um, you know, playing football, especially at a certain level, is a lot of commitment, a lot of time, energy, money, you know, uh, blood, sweat, tears, so, so to speak. And uh, we all love doing it, but sometimes you have to also balance uh, the other aspects of life, you know. And so hopefully one day we can get to the point where, you know, this is our only job and uh, we, we just have to worry about working, waking up and working out, and uh, that would be awesome. <laughs> Maybe uh, one day soon we'll get there. Uh, but it's totally a, a normal thing that she's uh, having to uh, navigate. Um, yeah, you, you know, I, I think that uh, if she's able to play this year, you know, I'm obviously going to be happy because it's on my team. Uh, but, I, again, if she's not able to play this year, I feel like she'll figure it out going forward. Um, so it, it should be really exciting. Yeah, one of the uh, pretty impactful players on the Silver Star, so really good. Um, wanted to bring her on to kind of get perspective in terms of what the season was about. But uh, it's going to be really awesome to, to see the transition of some of these teams on the West Coast. We have no idea what the legends are going to look like at this point, so we'll go from there. Um, let's talk about Urban Meyer stuff. Uh, a great coach in college. Uh, I think you mentioned it before when he took the job that this is a different monster than in college, and I think this is this is his end doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Urban Meyer is kind of turning into a caricature of himself at this point. He, um, I, uh, I read an article, I think it was uh, Rex Ryan that was talking about him recently and was basically saying the same stuff that, that uh, we've talked about before and that uh, Urban is used to, to the college game where if you're um, a college head coach, especially at a big-time program, you have a lot of control. And especially if you are at a program that has – you're one of the, the you know, top five, ten programs in the country, that brand recognition sells itself a lot when you go into living rooms to try to recruit kids. So if you are at, you know, in Ohio State, like, you don't have to try very hard to recruit, right? You, you have to – the job is more about – uh, shifting through all the, the recruits and finding the right one through the program. But he was at programs that were established on that level. And then in college football, you know, uh, obviously there are a lot of talented college football teams and players, but it's not the NFL level, right? And when you're in college, you have to really follow your head coach and your coaches, right? They, they dictate pretty much your entire future. Like whether you have playing time, uh, they dictate, you know, if you get kind of, it's kind of like a normal job in a normal industry. You, your your coach, a.k.a. your manager, uh, you know, might have some connections in the NFL and maybe they give you a good word if you, you know, are a good player and they like you sort of thing, right? So you have way more control as a college coach. When you get to the NFL, a lot 
most of the time, the NFL head coach and walks into the locker room, and most of the players in that locker room, or a lot of them, earn more money than him, and they're grown men. You know what I mean? So what motivates an 18-year-old and what motivates a grown man are completely different things, right, especially um, at that level. And the NFL, as we, we've talked about before, it, it's a business, right? These people in that locker room, whether they're a player, a staff member, and, you know, even, like, the equipment people, like, they are serious about it, right? And so from what Rex Ryan was saying was that he had a discussion with Urban Meyer when he was coming into the um, into the uh, Jaguars' role, and he was trying to explain, like, look, like, this is different. Like, you can't just halfway show up to this because these people in the locker room, they know, they can sense if you if you aren't trying hard, right? And if you don't, they're going to know. And so, you know, uh, you know, Rick Ryan was basically like, I told him, I told him, and he wasn't listening sort of thing. But that that happens. There, there's a reason why some people move into uh, the NFL from college well and some people don't. Um, I think part of coaching is understanding the people you have in your locker room and how to reach them and what needs to be done to get them in the position to be successful, right? Um, and it kind of feels to me, from the outside looking in, that Irvin is a guy do that. He he was trying to treat these grown men like they were children, talk down to them, you know, in one case, apparently kick the kicker um, in the back of the leg, like just really weird behavior, and so part of me is like, is this something that he always had? Because in college football, his M.O. was he would start the program for like a year or two and then randomly quit for a year and go be in a broadcaster booth and then come back to like the best, you know, uh, job in college football. And then he did that like two or three times. So I kind of wonder if this was happening previously and people were kind of covering it up and he just quit before the stuff came out? Or is this more of like a mental health thing and he's slowly kind of having behavioral problems? I don't know which direction it is, but I just I really felt strongly that Urban was not an NFL coach and it looks like we were right. I mean, this has always happened, right? It, it, the trend there's very few that come from the coaching realm straight to a head coach and really succeed. Some of them have come into positioning coaches or they jump into, you know, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, things like that, but not directly as a head coach. And like you said, it's a different animal in terms of attitude. It's a different animal for him to realize that he's in control. He has no control. You're a head coach in the NFL. You right. have no control. I mean, you are mandated, right? No. You have control about staffing training schedule, getting everybody on the same page. But overall, the front office runs the show. The ownership runs the show. There's no, there's no, yeah. you know, one, besides what, Belichick being the exception to the rule probably at this point, if you want to, like, put one right. person out there, Belichick being the only exception, right, to the rule that maybe has control yeah, and, because of success. Yeah, and Belichick has, has control because um, he can pick his players. Most coaches don't have – they have maybe like a say um, when they're talking to the GM, but ultimately it's the GM, GM and the owner that decides who is playing or the, the players on the on the field. 
And I think it was Parcells that used to say, you know, if I'm going to, uh, you know, cook, let me, you know, manage my own ingredients. I can't remember exactly the phrase it was, but something similar to that. And I get it because as a coach, you want to be able to pick the people you want in your system. But in the NFL, you don't, usually you don't get that opportunity. Um, You have to really uh, hope that you have a good relationship with the GM and the front office so you can get input, but that doesn't always happen. Um, So Belichick's actually the exception because he he does get more control uh, because he he gets to take some of those players. So um, I just think it, it turns into a control and an ego thing. I think, if you mm-hmm. are somebody that does well in college, but your style of coaching is that you are a control freak in a non-healthy way, then you don't do well in the NFL usually. What no. you really need to do to adapt to the NFL is understand that, yes, these players are players and you're the coach, but they are really, you know, some of them, a lot of them are getting paid more than you. A lot of them have higher status than you as far as, you know, um, in the media and attention and stuff like that. Um, and they work extremely hard. And so you're not going to be able to go in that locker room and bully them around like you would be um, an 18-year-old kid who's trying to get to the NFL, right? Like there's no more carrot that you can hold over them. Like in college, you can hold the carrot of like, I need you to buy into X, Y, Z because this is how you get to the league. When you get to the league, there's, the carrot is staying in the league, but, you know, when it comes to, like, the players that are established, like, you can't really do that. You can't treat them like a child and, like, put them in timeout like that. You know what I mean? No. Um, so I just think are, like if you, said, you – so business-minded that they have – their contracts yeah. dictate, right, production. Exactly. Their uh, agents yes. dictate, you know, a certain amount of bonuses, Right. So they got their own right, pressures right, right. that they got to meet, right? So it's, yeah. it's like you said, it's a true business sense. So the coach does dictate the playbook. You know, they do all the plays go great, but at the end of the day, they know where they stand, right? It's like no secret. They they got right. their own goals. They got to meet up their own situations because they know that, you know, if, if you're on a three-year contract, you got, what, free agency coming? And you got to showcase something, right, yeah. to get the bigger money. So they already know where they stand. Yeah. It's not like they're, they're fools or anything. So I think uh, Irvin, for me, no. was just out of touch with the fact, like you said, that you're in a different industry. You know what I mean? He didn't understand the industry. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be humble enough to understand that it's different. It's like, let's say you are the CEO of a middle-sized company. And you do really well. And then you you get recruited to be the CEO of a large company, but it's in a completely different industry. You can't expect that your strategies and how you approached your previous job are automatically going to transition. You have to spend time learning and being open to being uh, aware that you're, number one, a completely different industry. Things might operate differently over here, and the company itself might operate different. You kind of have to be humble enough, even if you're at a high level and even if you're talented, to want to learn, right? And I always thought the best coaches are the ones that understand that they don't know everything, and therefore they're always going to want to try to learn, and every year they're going to get better. It's the same thing as being a player. If you think you know everything 
uh, and you can just, like, rest, then other players are going to pass you by. You, you can't afford to do that. And that's how coaching is, too. You have to learn every year. So I feel like Urban Meyer is kind of like that coach who thinks he knows everything. He's going to apply everything, like, that he um, used in college. And when it didn't work, he he didn't have the humility to say it didn't work, let me try something else. He was stubborn and said, well, I, I think I know everything. Let me try it my way. And that didn't work. Yeah, I think it went through his head, you know, the money, the, the, the that yeah. you're the guy. Uh, unfortunately, you're in Jacksonville, bro. <laughs> Good right. Thing. You know, like you didn't go to a winner right. or didn't come into a winner. So, yeah, that's the, that's a problem. Um, Holly, let's, before we get out of here, uh, Frisco Bowl, pretty interesting. Uh, it's a kind of like a cool a bowl from what I was reading. Um, I'm not too familiar with, obviously, San Diego State during the season. But the matchup here, most wins outside of the college football semifinal. State 11-2, taking on Utah. I believe it's Utah, UTSA. 12 and 1. They have 23 wins between them. The Aztecs fell to Utah State in the Mountain West title game. So uh, Utah outscored Western Kentucky to win its first ever CUSA championship. Um, so pretty interesting game here in terms of a high scoring affair. So it, it is uh, tonight on ESPN. I think it started already, I believe, at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. So it should be almost done. But if you get a, get a chance to catch it, it's right there. But uh, pretty interesting game. So I'm, I'm going to have to follow up and see what the scoring was. Well, it looks like San Diego State's at 24 to 17. Wow. So, the, so they're scoring pretty well. I mean, this is, this is uh, from what I read on my notes, uh, San Diego State was in the top 20 in total yards, I think over 300 yards. Uh, defense, 19.5 per game. Uh, so yeah, that's, so it's going to be interesting. So if you guys can want to catch it on ESPN, it's on there right now. Um, the other game coming up here is Clemson, Iowa state. Uh, these teams started the year in the top 10 with Clemson expecting another run at the national title and Iowa state seemingly primed for the best season in school history. So pretty uh, interesting game coming up here on the 29th as well. Yeah, that one should be really interesting. Um, Considering that Clemson, you know, had a lot of hype coming into the year and that train got derailed pretty quickly. And then in, in addition to that, a lot of their coaching staff has uh, left at the end of the season. So they have a, a bit of turmoil. Uh, so that should be a really good game. Iowa State um, was kind of a feisty uh, team um, that I think, you know, lost a couple of games that they should have won. Uh, so I, I'm just curious to see how this will go. I think uh, Purdy, the quarterback for Iowa State, is a decent quarterback, and, and Hall, the running back, is, is really talented. So I think you're going to see, you know, Iowa State move the ball. Um, and then Clemson, you know, they've been kind of up and down, up and down. They've played better at the back end of the season, um, but they're nowhere near where they were like a year or so ago. So this might be a close kind of wild game at the end. So I, I would definitely look at this game to watch. And then the other game coming up, Alamo Bowl, 14 Oregon, taking on number of uh, Oklahoma as well. Um, so this is uh, two big-name programs with winning traditions. One of the notable reasons uh, because of the sidelines, both Ducks and Sooners will have interim coaches, as we had talked about here in the previous podcast of that. So Mario Cristobal, 
left Oregon for Miami, Florida. Lincoln Riley went from OU to US, USC. Brian McClinton, uh, the coordinator and receivers coach, will coach the Ducks. All the Sooners will be led by former longtime coach Bob Stoops. Uh, so interesting game here, uh, Holly. I know you're going for Oregon. We'll see if, you know, but it's, it should be about an interesting Wednesday, the 29th, ESPN 915. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and dub this bowl the ghosted bowl. Um, you know, ghosted is kind of the term, a dating term when somebody you're talking to, maybe not officially mm-hmm. dating, maybe officially dating, and they just disappear and you can't find them and they, they block you from everything or they don't respond to your messages or, you know, they leave you unread, so to speak. I feel like this is the the ghosted game between Oregon and Oklahoma. Both both programs, um, you know, had decent years, and then their coaches just kind of up and left. And both programs have had other assistant coaches leaving, recruits leaving, and just a lot of movement, a lot of turmoil. So this is a game that it's going to be a matter of which team has the best leadership to kind of pull everyone together. Um, you know, and keep everyone on the same page, which team is more motivated, that sort of thing. Uh, on Oregon's side, you're going to see a lot more youth uh, from people, um, you know, uh, there's been a few people that have opted out of the full game um, because they're focused on the draft and that sort of thing. Uh, so you'll see more youth there. And I just think that this game is very interesting. It can go anyway. <laughs> Um, but it might be a good look into maybe the future of both programs to see how they can handle all the adversity that, that's been happening. All right, so we'll finish up here. Music City Bowl, also uh, Thursday the, the 30th, so right before New Year's. Uh, you got Tennessee, Purdue, another one that will keep you entertained if you like touchdowns. First-year Tennessee coach Josh Helpful and seven and five Vols score forty, sixty, and twenty-five points in three of their last four games. As quarterback Hooker delivered with an impressive ratio of twenty-six touchdowns with only three interceptions in the season. Purdue eight and four, uh, memorably took down two teams ranked in the top five at the time of the games: number two Iowa and number three Michigan State. Um, Boilermaker defense uh, really good early in the season. Uh, offense surged late. Uh, you had uh, Adian O'Connell pass for 536 yards to beat Michigan, and he went 40 for 52 for 390 yards and four touchdowns in a loss to uh, Ohio State. So this could be a, an entertaining shootout back and forth with a lot of uh, fireworks. Yeah, both of these teams were really, I think, feisty during during the season for the seat. Purdue, like you said, had a couple of good upsets. Tennessee had a couple of good moments during the year. Um, they're not quite as polished as maybe, you know, obviously like a, a an Alabama or a Georgia or a team like that. But these are these are programs that are trying to build towards that. And you can see in programs that are heading they're trying to push that direction, they might have seasons like this where they're feisty, they have a good a good couple of upsets, they have a bad couple of losses, and and they're trying to fight to the next level. So a bowl game like this for Tennessee and Purdue is really important because if you get a win here, you get more momentum going into the off season, into fall of next year, and you can kind of ride that in. Uh, a loss doesn't, doesn't necessarily kill you, but a win definitely helps. So both of these programs are going to want this win to kind of help turn the program 
uh, maybe uh, to another level next year. All right. We'll talk about the rest of the bowl games uh, from the 31st to January 4th uh, on the next podcast on the 28th on at 4.05. Holly, uh, have a great uh, Christmas um, and looking forward to next week as we get the pre-New Year's edition of the Blitz. But uh, have a great Christmas this, uh, this coming weekend and with your family and everybody around you and uh, looking forward to the, the results of these games. All right. Thank you. A happy holidays, everybody. Have a good week. Hey, hey. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. Holly Custis uh, breaking it down. Bowl games coming up here. Seven uh, bowl games overall that were kind of key at this point. We talked about the Cheez-It Bowl, which is <laughs> kind of weird anyways. Uh, Clemson, number 19, versus Ohio State. Uh, we just talked about uh, Oregon versus Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, broke down Music City Bowl here, Tennessee versus Purdue. Uh, next week, we'll try to dive into the Gator Bowl, of course, the Outback Bowl, and then as we head towards the major bowls on New Year's Day. So pretty interesting weekend. So check it out at the Hub. we got the breakdown right there of some of the bowl games, uh, the insights as well. So check it out at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. All right, let's bring in the Oracle of Women's Tackle Football here. Let's bring in the backseat coach, a.k.a. Mark Simone here. Uh, Mark, how's it going? Happy uh, Christmas coming up here in, on Saturday. Pretty quick now. Yeah, there's uh, there's very little time left. Uh, if you are behind on your holiday shopping or preparations, uh, getting your house ready, your decorations up, uh, maybe making travel plans, uh, not a lot of time left. So, TikTok, you know. It's fourth and one, Mark. That's what I, I've been told in the past. Fourth and one. That's right. That's no right. pressure. The, the play clock's winding down. The game clock's winding down. Uh, you know how it happens, right? You're like, you make your list and you forget somebody and then they show up and you got no gift. And, uh, and that's never happened. No, no, never. You know, just... <laughs> You know, sit back with your uh, with your cheese it, and you know, watch a cheese it bowl, drink a couple yeah, of cream a, sodas, and you'll be fine. Yeah, it's a it's different this year. I think in a lot of ways than the past, right? Because people would come over unexpectedly, they drive up to your driveway, and you're freaking out. <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> you don't have you don't have right, that you, anymore, right? Nobody calls. Oh, we right. wanted you're, to surprise you. You're like, what in yeah. the what were you thinking? <laughs> Give me a heart attack. Your cousin, your cousin you haven't seen in seven years brings his whole family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> COVID kind of took all that away from us. So I guess, you know, thank you, COVID, in a way. <laughs> We're not having the, the intangible, right, and the uh, unexpected. It's happened in the past, right? Like you're, you're not house ready. You're decorating. Uh, you have no idea what the gift's going to be like. Who's going to visit you? I mean, it's it's, it's crazy Christmases. I mean, uh, it's going to be a unique story to tell, right, in about 30 years. I'm like, yeah, I lived through, you know, like people say, oh, the Spanish flu. Well, we lived through COVID, <laughs> lived through that little COVID period. Yeah, that's right. Nobody came over. We didn't do nothing. We just stayed inside. <laughs> <laughs> Lockdown mode. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to kind of tell the story in the back, you know, way back in the day when you're like 80 and everybody thinks you're a geezer. <laughs> Oh, my God. 
Yeah, it's true. Right. And, yeah, and, you know, your grandkids, they won't believe you, really. They'll just be like, yeah, no. okay, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, in the snow, never happened, yeah. Uh, COVID, what? What do you mean, COVID? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. But, no, it, the holiday always gets you in that mood. I'm not a big, like, Christmas guy, and my wife is a big Christmas person. So, like, you know, the decorations, the, the meal prepping, the, the entertaining, all that stuff. It's kind of exhaustion. I think retail, I was in retail for almost 20 years. I think retail killed that spirit for me, you know, because Christmas is usually October, right? And by the time December gets here, hey, you're you're into St. Patrick's and kind of like, ugh, you know, <laughs> Christmas is done, you know? Right, right. <laughs> it's just sort of maybe a longer version of all the other holidays that they try and turn into a big sale, you know? Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, but, you know, it's it, it's fun. I mean, she loves it. I'm a, my mom loves it. Um, there's a, you know, people just love it. And so interesting to that, um, sort of blessed to have all your, you know, everybody healthy. That's the, the, the most important thing I think overall, besides gifts and all this other stuff, that's materialistic. So to me, it's like, just as long as you have everybody healthy and everybody's good, good spirits, right. That's what we want. Um, so Mark, uh, uh, Gridiron West, they take their break this Christmas plus the, the first week of the new year. And then they, they're going to come back full swing. Uh, we talked about the Broncos early on, about a couple weeks ago. We talked about Rockingham with, obviously, some of the forfeits that they were part of. Uh, so they stand one and two, Mark. Uh, the Broncos, uh, somewhat of an edge here. Uh, but uh, we'll see how, you know, Rockingham rebounds after the return of, you know, for week 11 or so. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, the Broncos definitely have the edge. And, you know, there's still a lot of football to be played. Um, the Broncos have played uh, nine games, as have a couple other teams in the league, and the Vipers have played uh, only eight games. So there's a little bit of extra room there for the uh, Vipers to do something. But the thing is, is, is getting putting a loss in the Broncos' uh, loss column. You know, right now they're undefeated, um, and they're showing it. You know, they're showing that they're the team to beat. And you know, if if the Vipers want to flip the script, they got to find a way, or or just get lucky, you know, and have somebody else put a loss on the Broncos so that it can open the door um, um, to maybe taking over that number one spot. But as it is now, before heading into the break, it looks like the Broncos and the Vipers are, you know, the favorites to reach the. Uh, the championship game, once again, what a, for the second year. What a drop off game. by um, West Coast, Mark. Uh, started off really hot in the beginning of the season. Here we are, three, eight, uh, eight games in, and uh, they got a reality check uh, by the Broncos. And then at, at this point, they're still in the mix. So it's a it's a really important second half, I think most for most for the most part for West Coast Wolverines here. They're in the mix. Curtain has stepped it up in the last two weeks. They're four and five. Uh, everybody else is struggling right now in terms of scoring. They're going to outscore big time. Uh, you know, Swan City's can outscore big time. Claremont, uh, Hills. Uh, so there's just a struggle there in that sense. But uh, teams here, um, in terms of the playoff race, uh, the last, you know, three and four right here as it stands right now, Curtin's improved. Um, we could see maybe a push by both of these teams 
into challenging the Broncos and the Vipers in the coming weeks? Yeah, we could see we could see something. You know, we don't know um, what things will look like coming out of the break. It's just going to be more of the same. But you know, this is the time to you know seize the opportunity to um, make those midseason changes, uh, get healthy, put in some extra work without you know having to play games for a few weeks. And uh, then we'll see, you know, just get out there, play, uh, let the chips fall where they may, and um, we'll see how it goes. Um, You know, the season isn't over yet. Um, Certainly, you know, the Broncos and the Vipers are making a very strong bid, um, but uh, there's still room here for improvement for the Wolverines. Like you said, they started out very hot. Maybe they can catch fire again. Uh, The Saints are you know, um, um, you know, improving over, over the course of the season, I think. Um, even their losses are, are a little bit more competitive than they were at the beginning of the season. So um, they're trending in the right direction too, I think. All right, and we're looking forward to CISF um, Italy week four, the final week in uh, Italy. That's going to be an interesting uh, matchup there. Uh, we pretty much have already decided who's going to end up in the final for the most part, but it's going to be interesting to see who battles through and whether there be any changes in the, in the last swap here in, uh, I believe, January. So that's going to be an interesting uh, matchup. Yeah, um, there's not much really that can happen to uh, change uh, the standings, as it were. Um, you know, the big game in the final week is, uh, rematch of the top two teams, uh, the Milan Sirens or the Mermaids or the Seamen, whatever you want to call them, um, and the Bologna underdogs uh, who are in second place right now with a uh, 2-1 and one record. Milano is uh, undefeated. Uh, so the underdogs have, you know, this is their last chance in the regular season to um, get that win against Milan. Um, and um, it really wouldn't change the standings very much. Uh, both teams would have – it would be equal wins and losses if that happened. But the Milan has just scored so many more points. Uh, they'd, they'd still remain the favorite going into the championship game. But um, um, – and the, the second game between the Archers and, and the Pirates is – kind of really a pride game um maybe the archers can get a win uh they're winless as of yet and uh the savona pirates you know um they're one and two they won't be going to the championship game um but they'll be playing for pride for me the underdogs trying to defend here uh the milano team really really impressive so far this year um so the rose bowl it's set for January 23rd. As you said, you know, January 8th and 9th is going to be pretty much just kind of a tune-up of who gets who that game's kind of a, like a pre-matchup of the Rose Bowl. So interesting to see what the uh, final will look like. But uh, overall, underdogs, Bologna will be taking on Seaman uh, Milano. Uh, that's the matchup on week four, January 8th, which is about, what, two weeks from today. So uh, that's keeping tabs with that. Uh, the other thing we talked about is the big tournament in Mexico, Mark, 
all over it from our network partner. Uh, thank you, Tercer Cuarto, Yard of 20, Blitz uh, Football Video, ABC Football. Uh, just a lot of coverage down Mexico for this huge tournament um, for the uh, Brown, bronze winning Mexico team from 2017. Um, Mark, it, it's kind of like uh, an eagerness from everybody to be on this roster for the for the World Championship squad, and I think that's an ex- exciting to see in Mexico. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, this is a very interesting way of. Uh, sort of trying out, if you will, for the, the Mexico national team. So uh, the FMFA is the national governing body um, of American football in Mexico, and they've organized this tournament. And I, as, as the way you described it, these are like states, right? And Mexican states are um, sort of ge- like generalized areas. And the teams that are formed uh, come from the uh, the leagues in those areas, mm-hmm. and uh, so the and, concept is uh, the concept is like you take WNFC, WFA, WTFL, IWFA, you know, or whatever. You take all that, right? You take those, and USA Football would then, right, put together a state team. So you would have Oklahoma or New York or whatever. And they all put their the state teams together for the tournament. So they come together as one unit uh, from the best players in the state. They have a tryout. So all the all the best players from the certain regions ended up going to a tryout. They got selected in I believe mid November. Then they got put on the roster. And now this squad is a representation of the state, where the coaches on the national team will now get to see live video of all these players in competition so that they can go ahead and figure out which players they're going to invite for the rostering and for the combine. So uh, it's a pretty nice way to do it in a way because it's live action. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You get to see the players play, you know, in games uh, rather than, having them come in cold to a combine or something like that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like this like a, a lot better. Um, and it's my understanding that for any player who wants to uh, have consideration to be on that national team, they have to play in this tournament. They can't like be sitting out and doing something else and then show up the last minute. Right. Um, so, I, so I think that's pretty, that's a really good way of doing it. Um, there's a lot of film, right? They, there's film mm-hmm. on all these games, and you can watch them, um, you know, uh, online. And um, it's great. I, I mean, it's a really, it's it's really a, quite a, a lot of teams. This is 11-11, Each one of these teams, there's two groups with like five five teams teams in them playing 11-11. That's a lot of people. That's a big pool to choose from. Um, so I think there's a really fantastic way uh, for the FMFA to um, build their na- their national team. I think uh, it gives them um, – probably gives them an advantage um, compared to maybe some other tryout systems in other countries. They do the same way in soccer, 
when they do the selection for the national team, and I think they took that kind of mindset in, in this game uh, with the state competitions. I know Gridiron Australia does the same thing where they have state competitions every so often, um, but they used to do it just for the state, you know, uh, bragging rights, not before they entered the IFAB championship in 2017, which they're going to do now in, two, in this coming year, in 2022. Um, but the, the day one events, Covered exclusively by Tercer Cuarto, uh, Yarda 20, Blitz Football Video, and obviously ABC Football. So you can only go one place, right, Mark? We can tell everybody, you go to the hub. That's where you get it. Women's Tackle Football, front and center, at the hub, and facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauty. So if you haven't been there, go check it out. Full games from December 18th up to the final this past week. Uh, December 21st, which was today. Uh, we'll get the results from Tercer Cuarto. Querétaro taking on Central Sur. Uh, some of the Central Sur, uh, Central South players were on the national team, so it's a really good team. You can tell right there. Uh, there was a great game if you want to watch it. It is the Norte game. Uh, I mean, Querétaro, uh, was it Querétaro? I think it was uh, against Central Mexico, I think it was. Uh, so there was some controversy there on the ending with the refs. There was an interception in the game, so some cool events that happened there. Uh, day one was pretty interesting, Mark. Uh, Queretaro, who's in the final now, a 19-0 over Durango. Then you had a Central Sur 24-0 versus Coachilla. You got Norte 22-0 over Central Mexico. Uh, December 19th, Queretaro once again, a big clash with Central Sur. That game went to a 0-0 tie and there was no overtime rules in the tournament, so that left them at a 0-0 tie. Not, uh, you know, not, uh, what do they call it, not surprised that these two teams would end up in the final. Yeah, that's right. I, that, that's one of the things that sort of stood out, uh, you know, when I looked at the standings, is that um, there, were, there were three ties um, in this, you know, uh, season of play. I want to call it a season. Uh, everything's so compacted in in a, in a short number of days, but there were there were three ties. So I'm very curious to know what the overtime rules were. But you're right, um, um, you know, and a couple of the teams that came to a zero zero tie end up in the final um, uh, is is not surprising. And we I actually did get a score just before coming on. Um, it was uh, Centro Sur, six, and uh, Queretano, zero, in overtime on an 82-yard pick six. Wow. So that's your, na- that's your national six? champion. Wow. That's yeah, huge. And I, I missed that before <laughs> coming on here, so taking all my other notes, but thanks for that. 82, you guys got to sure. go watch it um, live. So go follow Tercet Cuarto, or you go right there to the hub and click on Tercet Cuarto. We'll have the game. I, I believe we I posted the first half uh, during the day, but I did not uh, did not post the extra uh, time. So we'll kind of share it after we're done here with the show. But 82 yard pick for the score, man, that's a tight ball game right there. That's that, that's that's defensive defensive ball game, and it was like I said, it was no. It's not surprising, right? They went to a a zero zero score in their uh, uh, Group A match, uh, I believe on on December nineteenth. 
Yep, just a couple of days ago. And uh, so phasing again, and this is the uh, this is the gold medal match. So uh, you got to have a winner. <laughs> you can't have a tie. So um, it looks like they went to overtime, and um, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, uh, I don't know, you know, explicitly what the rules are, but in most overtime, in many overtime setups, a, a defensive score ends the game, and, and that's the way that that ended um, just this afternoon. It was a great so, tournament. Uh, um, a lot of talented players that were on the the national team in 2017 now competing for another spot on the roster for the 2022 season. Uh, I touched. To, I ended up talking to Coach Giovanni Carrillo, uh, who also plays on professionally in Mexico. Uh, he was telling me that this is the biggest uh, talent pool mark that he has seen since he's been you know, coaching women's tackle football. In other words, the enthusiasm, the amount of players coming out, and he said this is going to be a tough uh, situation for him to break down a a 50-man roster. All right. Yeah, I don't envy him the task, but certainly great news to hear. Um, Yes, uh, the pool is large, and, um, you know, I think Mexico definitely um, is in a very strong position. uh, returning to uh, the IFAF Women's World Championships. Mark, uh, they got bronze on a on a short time frame to put the team together, and now you have what almost two years later, they're they're set up now. <laughs> they're a little yeah, set yeah, up they now. are. I you know I think that bronze medal a win, which you know was, you know I think it's fair to say that was unexpected. Um, mm-hmm. It probably helped that very national unexpected. program very much. Uh, you know, it helps propel, you know, the reputation of of the program uh, so that they could, you know, expand and get more uh, players involved. And, and I think they're, see, they're reaping some of the benefits of, of that unexpected uh, medal victory um, over these last couple of years. So, um, of course, other teams are – you know they're they're trying to make their statement too. You know we know that England is uh, going to want to um, um, show you know do better than they did last time. Uh, Australia as well. So um, uh, Mexico has a target on their back now too. Yeah, coming into this tournament, they're you would consider them on the North American swing, given Team USA so being so strong. Uh, Canada, you know, being back-to-back almost three-time silver medalist, uh, they own the bronze. So if you're in Europe right now, the European teams, right, if you're looking at targets, you've got three targets in the North American swing that you've got to beat to just penetrate the tournament, which is kind of exciting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, we're accustomed to seeing the quality of play in Finland, in Sweden. So, um you know, I think, as we all hope for, moving forward through the years, having this, you know, uh, this world tournament um, recurring, and we're going to see improvement um, as we go along. And I have high hopes that we're going to see, you know, a higher level of football these games are played. Now, we have a, t- a great hour in Australia, Mark. 
uh, didn't do as well, of course. Brand new program that was uh, led by Jen Walter and uh, Anthony Stone at the time. Um, we'll we'll see how they transpire here, but uh, see how they do in this new tournament in Finland. Uh, we also have uh, you you just said the Brits. Uh, the German team was not is not committed, from my understanding. Uh, there's a couple teams that are still on the fence, so we'll probably get some information maybe January or February of whether who's actually committed and uh, reached out to IFAB in terms of giving us an actual schedule breakdown of who's officially you know going to participate in the tournament. Uh, we do have certain t- uh, clubs already participating, so that's a standard. But it's going to be an interesting to see uh, the impact of Mexico in, in their second tournament, the impact of, of Gridiron Australia in their second tournament, uh, Great Britain in their second tournament, the return of you know Finland and Sweden into the mix. Um, you know Finland obviously didn't put out such a great brand in terms of 2017 from the previous settings, so I'm pretty sure they're hungry to kind of showcase a higher level there. Uh, Sweden as well. Um, so it's going to be, I think, a very – exciting tournament in 2022 because like you said the competition level has been elevated especially here in the north american swing with mexico now being as competitive and canada has always been in that second place in the u.s transitioning here with the new coaching and a new new uh head leadership here so it's going to be kind of interesting to see how the euro teams and the north american teams you know the style of plays are going to be kind of nice to see what how they mix Definitely, and um, quite fortunately, um, the European Championships are going to be happening um, in advance of the Women's World Championship. So we'll get again. We'll get to get see a preview um, um, of the European teams, and and we'll both see who um, who's going to be the defending European champion um, as we head into the Women's World Games. So that's exciting too. Yeah, and then we we have the transatlantic tournament planned for after the IFAB championships, so it's still on board to happen since it was postponed pre- previously. So three big, uh, three big uh, you know tournaments in terms of the world stage, uh, in terms of the fanfare in, internationally. That's going to happen in 2022. So a lot of uh, exciting uh, you know things in the 2022 calendar for women's tackle football uh, worldwide. Yeah, it's, you know what? It's nice to have a little kind of an impromptu look ahead to the next year. Uh, seems like a good time to do it since there haven't really been too many uh, women's football games to talk about um, since we're heading into the holidays. But, yeah, perfect time to look forward to 2022 and um, uh, really anticipate some of the international competitions um, in, in addition to, of course, the WFA and the WNFC uh, and some of the developments he talked about at the uh, very top of the show uh, with Santia Deck, and um, hopefully uh, she'll be able to help elevate uh, the Atlanta Phoenix to a stronger position where they can really um, compete with uh, Texas over in the WNFC. And lots of really exciting stuff developing as we go along. All right, well, the big news, far, far out, we talked about it in our group chats. We talked about it in our, you know, in the previous podcast that we had. Uh, but, Mark, I don't know about you, but this is huge for Mississippi uh, East in the Atlantic Conference because you got the Texas Elite Spartans front and center. We have no idea 
uh, what the other teams are going to look like. We have no idea what Philly's going to look like. Uh, and actually, Philly's kind of rebranded itself in terms of a logo scheme. Uh, we have basically the Atlantic has shifted, right? Carolina's not there any longer. Um, you got Washington returning. Atlanta with this, with, you know, Santia Deck just making a buzz in Atlanta. But, uh, you know, we, we were, I reached out to Camry Veal, which is the general manager and co-owner of the um, Mississippi Lady Panthers, uh, to try to get him on here in a couple weeks so that we could talk about this, uh, you know, first team in the WNFC to establish a program of this uh, caliber to learn, you know, to, about the program itself. So this is a huge deal for them. Uh, they get what was a couple players that were, were committed to the WFLA come over to the States, and at this point, because of the delay of the WFLA and the issues that the WFLA is having right now off the field type issues, uh, these ladies have decided that there's, you know, they, they just want to come to the state. So uh, very good standout. Shiloh Phillips, one of our no-joke football athletes. Renee uh, Ashley Ahan, another no-joke football athlete from our, our brand. Uh, Luenga uh, Lou. Uh, Halifonia Palu, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, I, I apologize if it's wrong. Uh, Haley Tagaloa Smith, and obviously another no joke football athlete, uh, Amanda Huzin. Uh, so she's coming over. So uh, the Panthers, Mark, uh, with the infusion of these n- New South Wales athletes, could see a much improved team and maybe, hey, a competitive uh, uh, enemy, as they would say, to the elite Spartans. Yeah, I mean, it, it says a lot about the Panthers' uh, uh, program and their staff and the way that they're thinking um, in establishing this program, um, you know, the the object competitiveness, right? How do you compete with a team um, like the Texas Elite? Um, and, you know, in our group chat, we've talked about, you know, some of the rules, you know, in different leagues that, govern traveling players and international players and and stuff like that. And so every different league has different rules, but um, I think, um, I think the Panthers recognize that, you know, if, if they're going to compete with the elite, then it wouldn't be a bad idea to get some, some talent from places outside of their normal, um, catchment area uh, and international players are are hungry to come to the United States and play and learn um, so it's kind of a no brainer but you know they took the initiative and they they made it happen and they're setting an example for some of the other teams in the league um, to to follow suit and it, it's just another way of sort of also raising your team's brand from a local brand to maybe, you know, even an international brand. Maybe they can get some interest from people, you know, uh, from fans in Australia because there are some Australian players that are going to play on the team. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a, definitely a step, um, a step forward uh, for the Panthers and uh, they're to be commended. And I, I definitely look forward to, to, um, hearing from them on the, on a future podcast. Now, uh, Mark, players that the Panthers brought into this fold uh, are really, uh, really 999 
specialists, not so much 11, but all these players that they're bringing in grew down in Australia national team members. So it's not like you're just bringing any somewhat player right out of Australia, right? These players are North, New, New South Wales multi-time champions and also representatives of their country. So top-level caliber players, and why not? If you're going to compete with Dallas, you're going to compete with Texas Elite, you know, you've got, you got to bring the influx of reality, which is what you got to be on their level. Absolutely. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, to, to have the, have some, some top athletes, some serious you know, uh, athletes who are serious about com- competing, being competitive, that, that's, that's who you want to get. And um, uh, it sounds like these players fit the bill. It's um, kind of a, uh, an odd situation with how, you know, the, the troubles of the WFLA have kind of, I guess, I guess created the atmosphere where um, things like this can happen. Uh, they have raised expectations from many international players to come to the United States and play. And that deal fell through for, for all those players. But that doesn't mean that they no longer want to come to the United States and play football. They still do. So, um, you know, you know, kudos to the Panthers and then, you know, also to Denver to, for, you know, like striking while the iron's hot um, and um, offering um, international players an opportunity that they thought maybe they wouldn't get. The good thing about mixture that Camry's put together is that all these players in terms of the New South Wales Raiders, they all know each other and their chemistry is there. You know what I mean? Now they got to blend in with, with the Mississippi team. So that's a good sign in terms of that. It's not like you're bringing individual players from different countries. You're bringing a, a kind of a squad mentality into this Panther mentality. And then you bring Amanda Houston, who's a top quarterback in Queensland as well. Um, so it's like, uh, you know, you, you got options now. And so hopefully this, these options, you got Jackson at the helm at quarterback. You, you can put Amanda as a backup, as an example. She's, playing, she's able to play both ways. So uh, there is a, a leeway of what do you call that flexibility now where Mississippi could stand out in the Atlantic. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine having actually uh, both of those players um, in the backfield in a wildcat formation you don't know who the ball is going to go to. That's going to scare some teams, quite frankly. Pardon my French. Shootless, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And, and Amanda's and, top notch. I mean, she's not. She she fears nobody. She's been able to knock people's off. You know, if you see her highlights, she's able to play real gritty football. So there's no stranger there. And having her as a backup, or like you said, a, a an option to scare somebody off the defense. And um, you know, and all the other pieces they have put together. I'm excited for Mississippi right here, and I'm excited to see when we get uh, Cameron Veal in here to kind of talk about you know this uh, transition for 2022 and to really be competitive in the Atlantic. Yeah, I mean, we also have to remember that um, you know it's still going to take a lot of work um, with the team. You know, um, it's it's awesome that. Uh, the players that are coming in are familiar with each other um, so that they're, you know, you can kind of build on that. And maybe there's some part of their team culture that can translate 
to the Panthers as well as the other way around. They're being integrated into the Panthers. So, um, but it's going to take time to gel. Like, you know, it's not necessarily just going to start clicking right away. They they have to do the work. Um, they all have to get on the same page for it to be successful. So it so it is going to be a process. It's, it's definitely, uh, you know, a very important um, undertaking for the Panthers and. Um, um, everybody has to be committed and um, um, put in the work to make it work. Well, I can tell you right now, Paul, uh, uh, Mark, uh, Paulu and uh, Tagaloa Smith, it's some big girls out there. They can move. They can move people. So uh, they're not scared to do that. So they got they got something going for there in terms of the front line there and, and where they use them. If they use them on offense or defense, they're going to be very productive. So, uh, shout out to, like I said, the, the Mississippi Panthers and to uh, general manager and co-owner Cam, uh, Camry Veal. So we'll talk to him in the new year and kind of give us a, a, an idea of how the Global Panther program got started and uh, how they're going to be so competitive in the coming season here in the Atlantic. So the other um, uh, player was another no-joke football athlete that was Aliyah Carmali, and she's going to the Denver Bandits. So she's originally slated to go to the Denver WFLA team, and now she's committed, obviously, to the Denver Bandits. So uh, we're looking forward to her, and she's actually a quarterback uh, in her uh, in Australia. So she's going to be really, really awesome, and she's also playing, obviously, double duty. She can play anywhere else that they ask her to, but very talented. So there it is. The Aussie invasion, Mark, has begun. Yeah, that's you know, that's it's a nice handful of players to uh, have come over. I know we've had, you know, at least a couple um, uh, players in the past seasons. Um, um, I, I'm forgetting her name, but, uh, there, you know, someone came to play with, for the uh, Chicago Force for a couple of seasons. Oh, yeah, we had Christy Moran, um, my uh, MVP, that's right, Christy, Christy Moran. He was explosive, yep, so. Mark. That girl was the bomb. Uh, she's a, indeed. Just, she's a, a legend. She's a legend in Queensland, and also, you know, yes. overall a legend in Queensland. Absolutely, and you know, she uh, sort of laid laid the groundwork for um, some of her fellow Aussies to um, uh, make a similar trek. Um, so, so that's all good. Funny story. I'll tell you here. Uh, it was Christy Moran and Lauren Evans that boasted the Nojo football brand front and center internationally as well. There are two players that we started the, the brand with. So, uh, you know, who else to start the brand with than a, a, a legend, highlight reel, Christy Moran. It's just, just awesome. And, yeah, you have more Nojo football reps, you know, uh, continuing the work. So, you know, you've been on the, the cutting edge for a long time. Well, and, you know, the the motto is what it is, and I think uh, Christy sort of embodies that motto, right? Just uh, her play is no joke, so Absolutely. it works out really well for us, too. So, all right, um, let's see here. Let's bring in the salty one here before we let you go, Mark, here. Um, Mac, uh, we're just talking all the, uh, the Aussie girls coming over to the Mississippi Panthers and how exciting times it is for Mississippi to put themselves on the map, especially when you're going up against the champs. Oscar, Mark, how y'all doing today? Happy Tuesday. Good. Oh, man. 
I, when I read that, I was just like, that's crazy. You know, you, there's a, I, what, there's a, uh, 10 of them, I think I read, that were coming over from Aussie Land to play for Mississippi, and that's just, that's just wild. It, just, it really just goes to show you, you know, what, like, the quality of football that the U.S. women leagues have. And, the, you know, the fact that the, the international map itself, as far as, you know, who, what types of women and players are in the gridiron family itself, just, it just speaks volumes. You know, you know how it is to compete with Texas Elite. You got to have a real good chemistry. You got to have a good, good squad. Mississippi was right there last year, and so I think Cameronville knows, right? He knows. Hey, I, we got to elevate our roster to a better level. And how how better not to elevate your roster with, you know, multi-time champions in New South Wales plus multi-time quarterback champion in Queensland, man. That's that's huge. I mean, and look, everybody knows it doesn't matter, you know, if you're WNFC, WFA, you know, the USWFL, any any US Women's League knows, you know, the 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 caliber of football that's across the country, let alone the globe. And, you know, if you if you follow if you follow football in the states, you you should damn well know who the Texas Elite are. Um I had to play against them this year when I played for the Nighthawks, and it, oh my god, <laughs> like it's like having a bunch of Mack trucks on a team. Like I'm just like, holy cow, they're like, I mean, and they're they are a very very good team. Like you cannot take anything away from them. OJ and the coaching staff over there, and their their team camaraderie is just crazy. But to think that there's going to be another team, you know, that's going to be able to compete with them even more now. In the Mississippi Panthers is going to be crazy to watch it. I, I for one, can't freaking wait. Yeah, no, it's going to be really awesome. Uh, this, this is going to be exciting to see what the Atlantic transforms now. Santia Deck in Atlanta, of all places, not the WFLA as promised before, but now Santia Deck in Atlanta. So Mac, markability, influencer, man, attendance could be huge there. Just the fact that she's, uh, you know, big time on IG with all the followers. Uh, so you know, Atlanta lands a uh, a jewel, and whether they market her right or not, this is wait to see. But uh, you know, hey, Queen of Abs in Atlanta. Well, I'll tell you this. You know, the Queen of Abs. We we've all kind of been waiting to see where the Queen of Abs was going to land. Um, and I don't, to be honest, I don't think any of us expected her to drop into the WNFC. But I'm not surprised if that makes sense. Like I'm surprised that. You know, she stepped away from the WFLA, but I'm not at all surprised that she is now playing for a, w, a, a WNFC team. Uh, like I said, it just again, it just goes to show you the the caliber of football that women play at a high level, because you you, you have public figures like Santia Deck, you know, coming to play, coming to showcase her talent in one of the top women's leagues. You have those Aussie girls coming over from you know Queensland um, and New South Wales to play for the U.S. state team. So it's just, I'm, not, I'm surprised, but I'm not shocked at all. Uh, we're getting traction. Is that the word? WC is great. Gaining traction. Yeah, there you go. Really traction. Yep. We're getting traction. And uh, who, would, who doesn't want to see outstanding athletes, right? Everybody wants to see outstanding athletes. And that's all. If they bring that For to the sure. table, uh, the WFC is going to be one step above everybody else. So it's, 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 it's exciting 2022. We haven't even, we haven't, we haven't even seen the schedule yet. For matchups and all that, man, wait till that schedule shows up. We're going to be totally giddy for that. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, Mark, you want to hang out with the, with the NFL stuff, or are you going to leave us? I will leave you and uh, get back to my uh, scouring the web and uh, visiting the hub and getting caught up on all my other women's football news. Good night. Perfect. Have a great Christmas, Mark, uh, and we'll see you next week pre-New Year's edition. So uh, we're looking forward to it. All right, Oscar. See you later, Mac. See you, Mark. All right, Mackenzie, let's uh, let's break it down here. We've got 15 minutes. Uh, let's go with winners and losers. Start off here. Um, we had, for the most part, Indianapolis, right? Pretty much a winner last week. Pretty good. 27-17 over New England. Uh, snaps the uh, the Patriots uh, winning streak. So, but uh, Jonathan Taylor kind of uh, heating up here as we get towards the playoffs. I'm going to tell you this right now, Oscar. <laughs> and I've said this since Jonathan Taylor came out of Wisconsin. He torched Iowa. You know, my Hawkeyes are, are great at the run defense, the, the run game defense. He torched us. Um, and he's slowly, you know, getting a name for himself, which is what I like to see. You know, I don't like to see those types of, you know, players who come into the league and already have a name for themselves because, you know, they, you know, were a huge star in college and all this other stuff. Jonathan Taylor kind of had to work for it because if my memory serves me correctly, he came into the league injured or came into the league and then got hurt. So this is kind of his first official season, like really displaying his ability and the fact that he, like his field vision and just his, his football IQ is, is just ridiculous. I love it for one. Um, but you got to give it to the Colts as a, you know, as a team, like they're, they're playing like a well-oiled machine. Like they struggled a little bit here and there, but for the most part, they've been pretty freaking consistent. Well, five wins in the last six games, uh, only lost against uh, Tom Brady. And, you know, Tom Brady hates to lose. He's, that's why he was whining this week and throwing his tablets everywhere. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? But uh, squarely in the playoff yeah. picture for Indianapolis. And so this is a, a, a nice feel for him, even an MVP conversation for uh, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, you know, I would not be surprised if we saw him in the in the in the uh, the MVP talks. You know, I don't think I don't think he's gonna snag it, but I would not at all be surprised, nor would I be upset if he were in talk, in those talks for the MVP, especially because he's one of few running backs this season who have been consistently consistent. He's been putting up yards. He's been scoring touchdowns. He's been, you know, getting you know, yards after the catch. He's been doing all the things that he needs to be doing as a player. And now that people are finally starting to see, oh, like, okay, you know, the Indianapolis Colts are in the race for the wild card, and, and partly because of Jonathan Taylor's work ethic. All right, Mac. Uh, if you're an Arizona fan, you felt the same way I felt when my Rams got a beatdown versus San Francisco. What the hell happened? Detroit comes in. They get a blowout loss. Just, uh, I was shocked. I didn't, I did not see this coming. I'm not going to lie to you. I saw this coming. Let, 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 let's let's really? break it down for a second. Yes, let's break it down for a second. Because number one, you know I, I love me a good underdog. <laughs> you know I love me a good underdog. I don't care how good Jerry or bad Goff. you are. Anything can happen. Yes, yep. Anything could happen on any given game day. With that being said, 
the Detroit Lions literally outplayed and outcoached the Arizona Cardinals. And the, Car- the, the Detroit Lions are Arizona's kryptonite. I don't know if anybody realizes that still, but the Detroit Lions are good at upsetting people's seasons, even if they're not having a great season. No, I mean, Mac, to quote the coach of the Cardinals, obviously pissed to come out and play like that. That's not what we want to be or where we want to be, but I've got to tip it in my hat to Detroit. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's crazy to think about. You know, it's just like, whoa, like a 2-10-1 team, Detroit Lions, and, you know, Arizona comes into your house, and then you, you know, essentially kind of almost shatter their playoff hopes. And, Mac, they get your Cowboys in a couple of weeks, and then they get the Colts, who are rocking right now. So if you're an Arizona fan right now, two-game losing streak could stretch to four. You know, and it's funny because people are already talking about the Arizona-Dallas game, which is in Dallas, by the way, and I'm kind of excited for that. Um, but I'm not, I'm not overlooking Arizona by any means because Arizona was – the longest running team to be undefeated this season. I think their first loss was, oh boy. I mean, their first loss was over a month or two ago. So, you know, you know that you, you just, you just know that they, they weren't coming to play around, but like I said, nobody's perfect. You know, there's always room for improvement. There's always room for mistakes. Things happen. You know, people have bad games. Kyle, I, to be honest, I think Kyler Murray's still playing injured. I think he's hurt. I think he's. I think he's hurting bad. He does not have much of an offensive line. Um, kind of, he's kind of in the same situation as Aaron Rodgers, except Aaron Rodgers is eleven and three, and they're sitting at the top of the NFC. Right, right underneath is my Dallas Cowboys, and then you have, um, you know, Tom Brady and those Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then Kyler Murray and those Arizona Cardinals. They started at the top, and now it's up there at the bottom. So anything could shake up at this point. Like the NFC itself is wide the hell open. Mac, surprised that uh, uh, that Brady had a rough weekend. I mean, the Saints. I didn't. I didn't anticipate the Saints coming in here defensively and doing such a good job, but they did. And but you know, credit them because Brady didn't have Godwin. Uh, Evans and Fournette were basically somewhat n- not available because of their injuries. But uh, at this point, the Bucks have the Panthers, the Jets, and the Panthers again. So they're not out of it per, per se, but at this point they're in the race, like you said, with the Packers. So I'm, I'm going to tell you this: um, I don't think people. I also don't think people realize the Saints are Tampa are Tampa Bay's kryptonite, just like the Lions and Cardinals. Only thing is, is one nobody expected the Saints to beat them with only field goals. Number one, number two, nobody expected the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be shot out. Uh, let alone not get any offensive traction as far as, you know, Tom Brady's long balls, Tom Brady's, you know, RPO, uh, you know, the pitch and catch option to Gronk. Uh, they shut Gronk down. They shut Tom Brady down. Um, I, what was it? I seen the stat. It was like there was – he had eight it was hurries. Ugly. He had the stat yeah, was 42 ugly. dropbacks, eight hurries, no wonder five he was sacks, off. <laughs> and two, bat, two, two or three batted down balls. Um well, and, and the other thing is, is you he loses Evan Godwin 
and Fournette all in the same game, all almost in the same damn corner. Um, let's see. I think it was Godwin uh, tore his ACL. Um, mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette. And hamstring. Um, Hamstrings for everything. Yep, hamstring. Yep, and then I think somebody else had it, ended up getting a concussion. Yeah. And I cannot remember I who mean, that is. But, I mean, Brady you're playing Brady, with Brady, I guess, you can't blame him for being salty. Is that the word? Yeah, I mean, I guess salty is the correct terminology for that. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't lost in a, what, since 2006? That's like 15 years to get shut out. He was just livid, right? It was like nothing was going right. No, he was not a happy camper. I saw everything on the internet, the memes, and I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, but you know, I, Tom, you got to cool down. It's like one big loss. It's not like the Super Bowl, right, or a playoff game. So I mean, it's like, okay, I know he's passionate, right, about winning, but at the end of the day, I mean, those tablets have to be repaired. I don't know if you want to throw it like that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. you know, um, I mean, and everybody's like, oh, Tom Brady has a temper. I'm like, I feel like you would have a temper, too, if you couldn't connect with any of your receivers and people were shutting you down and throwing you off their normal game. It, it was just a, an un an un thing. I mean, because for me, it was like I'm playing on DraftKings, and I'm thinking a Brady's automatic for passing yards, right? And then when I start to realize that that's not happening, man, I, I was about as pissed as Tom Brady, too, because I'm losing money. I was a pissed off guy. Like, what? What? Yeah, there was a lot of pissed off, uh, um, you know, gamblers rather, or you know, exactly. dual, you know, daily fantasy duelers that were not real happy with uh, TB12 and those those Buccaneers uh, Sunday night. Yeah, I, I don't play big money, but you know, twenty five cents is twenty five cents, right, Mac? So it still gets you pissed off. Oh yeah, you lose a quarter. Yeah, I don't got time. All right, so, uh, Mac, uh, before we get out of here, let's see. Uh, we got big news, WNFC, Queen of Abs, WNFC. Wow, thought we were going to talk about Urban Meyer, the whole podcast, and, you know, his debacle. But, hey, that was swayed off and just blown to the side. Great job, WNFC. Oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, when we were talking in our chat earlier, I'm like, okay, you know, I was writing down my notes and get ready for, you know, get ready for our segment. And I'm sitting here like, I don't think we're going to talk much about Urban Meyer um, today. I don't think that's going to be a thing just because the, the caliber of, you know, unfortunately we've seen that this whole Urban Meyer, um, let's see, debacle, I guess is what you would call it. We can, we've kind of watched it unfold all season, you know, from when he oh, yeah. left Ohio State to when he got, you know, got the Jackson the Jacksonville job, you know, brings in Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, they don't have a great season just because, you know, you're still working out kinks, new coaching stuff, all that. And then the whole bar thing scene happens, and then bang, Irma Meyer gets fired with not even finishing his first season as the Jacksonville head coach. So, you know, that doesn't have much tact, but having the queen of abs flip, you know, flip leagues and bring her talent and her, her network to the WNFC – is really what it is really the headliner at this point. I think it was a big news to have her shift. It's kind of no surprise that she's going to shift to WNFC. WFA, WFLA is non-existent at this point. Uh, WFA, not as visible. So I think, you know, the visibility is with the WNFC. And if she wants 
visibility, that's where she goes. And she's an influencer, she's a marketer, entrepreneur, so no brainer for her to hook up with the WNFC at this point with all the stuff that they got going on right now. So it's uh, pretty interesting. So 2022 for WNFC is going to look very interesting. Can't wait for the 2022 schedule to come out. Uh, thanks to Brianna uh, Griggs of the Las Vegas Silver Stars for coming in today uh, for the interview on the Monkey Night 5 huddle. Um, but, uh, Mac, what a, what a show. Two hours jam-packed. We'll be here next week for the uh, after-Christmas edition and the pre-New Year's edition of the Blitz 405. So uh, it's, uh, it's going to be great to see the games this weekend and see how it turns out with all this COVID changes and stuff like that. Looking forward to, you know, this the results on Tuesday. And we've got Thursday coming up. So uh, tossy turvy for the NFL. But uh, overall, if you're a football fan, you're pretty, uh, pretty excited. Yeah, you know, if you're, if you're a football fan of any kind, you're excited for this weekend. You know, you are excited that you got to see two games tonight. You know, okay, you know, even though, yes, there was, you know, they had to be postponed because of COVID, but you still got those games back. You know, people are still – people don't realize that we're still – in the middle of a pandemic. So we still have to take those, you know, as players and speaking from a player standpoint, you still have to take those precautions. You know, if there's a handful of people on my team, you know, that tested positive or sick, you know, we, we can't run. We, you know, I would much rather push the game back or push the event back and be fully functional and well-oiled and ready to go than, you know, with bits and pieces and not be at our full strength. Um, and, you know, and, and that and jeopardizing other people's safety and health. Correct. All right, uh, Mac, thanks for coming in. Really, really appreciate giving your insights here. We're looking forward to this week 16 in the NFL with all this COVID changes. And if you're a betting guy, you're probably pulling your hair right now because you can't pretty much put a lineup that's a guarantee at all. And you're probably as pissed off as Tom Brady. So either way, you're going to have to cool down, kind of figure things out if that's the case. Um, Even the NBA is a mess. So, you know, all this stuff is happening. So uh, just, you know, Get vaccinated if you got to, if you haven't, uh, you know, get tested, whatever you got to do, you know, keep everybody safe around you and things like that. Um, happy Christmas, uh, Mac, for you, and looking forward to next week for the New Year edition. And for everybody else, uh, for the absent uh, Ali Custis here, uh, Mark Simone, uh, Nate uh, Ward, and for uh, Mackenzie Brooks, Oscar Lopes here, have a great Christmas, everybody. Enjoy it. Be safe. And we'll catch you here for 405. Mary is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50.